I would say a big one, and this is coming from more of like a healthcare perspective, is not feeling like they're being heard. Because women, I mean, we know our bodies best. No one else knows our body better than we do. And so when they are struggling with something and they're trying to relay that information to a healthcare provider or somebody else, that's one of the biggest frustrations that I hear from women is that they just don't feel like they're being heard. And more than anything, it is really important to find a healthcare provider that is going to listen to you. They don't have to eat the same way as you do. They don't have to live the same lifestyle as you, but it's really important to find someone who is truly going to listen to you and try to get at the root cause of what is going on. So I would say that's a big one. Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Today, we're kicking off Women's Healthcare Month with Ashley Kitchens, a nationally recognized plant-based registered dietitian and spokesperson. She founded her company, Plant-Centered Nutrition, after using plant-based eating to heal herself of lifelong GI issues. She recognized that there was a need for others who could also benefit from a diet filled with more plants. So she's made it her mission to help others transition to a plant-centered way of eating through a holistic approach and intuitive eating process. She even hosts a podcast called Plant-Centered Nutrition. On top of being an RD, Ashley graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with a Master's of Public Health and Nutrition in 2011. Wow, Ashley, you've got quite the story. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm thrilled that we get to talk about public health issues at the same time that we learn your story. Ultimately, we are in a system that is a little bit more sick care based than healthcare based. And so as we kick off this month on May Day with women's health, we really need to be thinking about how we support women throughout their lives journeys. And hearing from you about your personal story, I think is a great place to start. I understand too that you got your start in life growing up on a cattle farm where they were farmed for beef. And so that you've now made this leap to being fully plant-centered is quite something. Tell us that story. Well, and that's correct. I never expected to be plant-based. It kind of just happened. And part of that was because for 20 plus years, I was managing sick care, essentially. I was managing my symptoms. I was managing these lifelong GI issues that I was struggling with. And as much as I enjoyed being raised on an Angus cattle farm, and even at that time, I enjoyed eating meat and dairy and all of those things, that I wasn't making that connection on the impact that it was having on my body and on my health. My parents struggled to make that connection. The doctors I was going to were struggling to make that connection. And it really wasn't until I became a dietitian. And Karina, I learned very little actually about plant-based nutrition when going through school. And again, that was a while ago, but there was very little discussion around how can we prevent these things, especially that women are going through chronic diseases, health concerns, hormonal issues. And a lot of it was how can we manage these symptoms or this like sick care? And that's exactly what was happening in after becoming a dietitian. I was teaching patients and clients how to help manage their GI issues. 
And I was like, well, if it's not working for me, who's to say that it's going to be working for them? Because at the time I wasn't plant-based. I was eating a quote, healthy diet. I was moving my body. I was exercising. I was eating lots of fiber, drinking lots of water. And to be very, very honest with you, I was struggling very, very heavily with chronic constipation. I was going to the bathroom maybe once a week, once every 10 days, and I had to use medication to help my body go to the bathroom. And I basically came to this fork in the road where I was looking at my life and the medications that I was on and knowing that I'm going to continue increasing the dosage of these medications, or I can maybe take a harder look at what I'm putting into my body to see if it has an impact on how I'm feeling. And that's what started this whole plant-based journey for me is I felt very disingenuous in my message. And I knew that something had to change in the way that I was eating so that I could help clients truly transform with how they were feeling. I do want to start though with helping people understand why somebody who has an RD might not have the kind of deeper understanding of kind of nutrition from different sources than you might expect. So I've been in the health and nutrition field for a long time, working to formulate supplements, collaborated with a lot of RDs, been to different conferences where medical doctors and registered dietitians abound, right? And what I noticed is a common thread between most MDs and most RDs, where the RDs, they go to food first, the doctors go to treatment first, but neither is really looking at supplements that can help you on your journey, specific nutrients that come from specific foods where it's more of like a culinary medicine perspective that don't really look at that. They're not necessarily looking at what herbs might help you or what other kind of tools could be in your tool shed to support health. And I found that really surprising because at one point I was actually considering going to get my RD, having been in this industry now for over 20 years. And I started to look at curriculum and I was looking at the continuing education courses you had to take and things like that. And I was like, this isn't as much on nutrition as I want it to be. Like from a functional perspective, it was very surprising. Yeah. Retrospectively, it was surprising as well, especially being plant-based. And I'm sure, I hope it's a little bit different now in what's being taught that food can be an incredibly powerful form of medicine in a way. And I truly believe that as much as I love my education, I've had to do, Karina, a lot of research on my own. I mean, extensive research to figure out how can I take someone who's really suffering with their health, possibly maybe put their type 2 diabetes into remission, how to lower their cholesterol without medications, these things that I ne- wasn't necessarily taught in school. Well, as we get to talk about specific health conditions, I'm going to butt in here with that health disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, cure. If you have a specific health condition like high cholesterol or whatever it is, you should be working with a medical professional who is skilled in that particular arena. So this is not medical advice. Do I need to say that again? (laughs) Always a good reminder. Yeah. So of course we got connected a bit because I was following you on social channels and looking at the work that you're doing to help people understand plant-centered nutrition. Now on this podcast, we've also interviewed other individuals who helped us define plant-based and plant-centered and who actually revealed that vegan and plant-based are not necessarily synonymous. So let's talk about what plant-centered is and how that can support the health journey of women around the globe. So plant-based, plant-centered eating 
really is your diet is consisting primarily of plants. For a vegan diet, it's very easy to define what that is, what it looks like, what that lifestyle means. For plant-based, there's a bit more nuance. And I always say, especially when I'm working with women, it's really up to you and how you want to define it and how you want to label yourself. Do you have to be 100% plant-based, no animal products whatsoever? If that doesn't feel right to you and you want some more flexibility with the way that you're eating, then that's okay. And so I think it's helpful to approach plant-based eating in a way that most of your plate is plants primarily. And if you want some flexibility because you still enjoy eating meat or dairy, then that's okay too. We got to figure out a way where you can eat more plants in a way that feels best for you without having it feel restrictive or anything like that. Now, you mentioned a health condition as well that many will relate to, which is chronic constipation. Now, I just came off of an episode last week where I interviewed Dr. Donnie Wilson about women's health and stress and just in general, the sorts of things that you might confront when you're overstressed and your cortisol and adrenal levels are completely out of whack, right? So we talked a lot about migraines as another thing that women can be very familiar with. More women suffer from migraines and migraines and stress are closely related. Constipation can also be related to stress, right? But you can have the direct opposite response when you're overstressed and get irritable bowel syndrome where you just like literally can't hold anything in and you aren't absorbing the nutrients. So as we look at women's health in general, and we understand that we can be overconstipated or also get runny stool, depending on how stressed we are, that we can have these polar opposite reactions based on ultimately our stress levels, what we're consuming. How do you really counsel people in your work to ensure that they have the most effective nutrient absorption and ultimately don't end up in either of these polar extremes? Yes. And so many women do. It's like, you know, they either come to me and maybe they're chronically constipated or they've been diagnosed with IBS or they have loose stools and they're just really struggling. Like, I can't figure out what the problem is. And oftentimes it's not just one thing. It might not just be stress. It could be related to depression, anxiety, grief. It could be related to the food that you're eating, how much sleep you're getting. There's so many factors that play into your GI health and how things are moving throughout your GI system that need to be looked at as a whole. So really trying to take a holistic approach instead of just trying to pinpoint this one thing that you think is going to work. And so what often happens is when we start introducing more plants into the diet, that helps cultivate this incredible, incredible microbiome in your gut that can really help benefit how things are moving throughout your GI system. And for some people, it might take just a few months to really get things going naturally. And for some people, it might take years for them to really heal their GI system, to heal their gut, to heal their gut lining. It might even take special resources, tools, or even medications to or supplements to help them just improve their overall gut bacteria. And it takes time. I think more than anything, I want people to know that it's not a quick fix. There's no quick fix, especially when it comes to your GI system. It takes time to figure out what's going to work best for you, especially when we look at nutrition and the food that you're putting into your body. What I think we shouldn't negate too, if we've been living in a sick care system and we have overconsumed things like antibiotics that have killed off both the good and the bad bacteria several times throughout our lives, then we just don't have the seed that's needed to really have a healthy gut microbiome. And so to your point, 
eating healthy foods, more plant-based foods that are high in fiber, prebiotics, and things like that can cultivate a healthy gut microbiome. And while many supplements available in the probiotic sphere are abundant in the marketplace, they may or may not actually survive to the spot you want them, depending on how stable they are, what strain they are, other issues that you might be confronting in your digestion. I mean, ultimately, one supplement can work great for one person and not always the best for somebody else. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's so easy to see these shiny objects on social media. It's like, oh, you know, this worked for me. But again, it goes back to you have to really figure out what's going to work best for you because exactly what you're saying, just because it worked well for somebody else doesn't mean that it's also going to work well for you. I mean, I look at things like People who have been chronically constipated might go to a health food store and somebody just hands them some silica husks, psyllium, right? And they go and they throw that in a blender with a protein shake and sure, they go to the bathroom, but it's not like normal stool. I don't know how else to put it, right? It's just racist for your system. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of these things, which can be great in the short term, are likely not long-term fixes. They might just be like putting a Band-Aid on the situation. And so that's, again, where things may take time to really uncover what's going on with your GI system. So we know that some of the products out there may not work, but what do you tend to lean on? I mean, I have a few favorites in the probiotic space personally that I've found that seem to work for almost everybody, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. There are some incredible probiotics out there, exactly. And of course, I can't think of any like specific brands off the top of my head, but there are some ones that I definitely recommend to clients who are just wanting to cultivate more healthy gut bacteria. And again, this might stem from them growing up and having a lot of episodes of strep throat. And so they were put on a lot of antibiotics. And from childhood, that really just started messing up their gut flora. So probiotics are one, but honestly, what I recommend is, again, starting to introduce more fibrous foods into your diet, more plants and more variety. So the one thing that I recommend most often, which is supported by research, is trying to get in about 30 different plants per week. We find that that is really what your body loves, is what your gut, gut microbiome loves. And again, that kind of helps things move a little bit smoother throughout your body. Another thing that I often recommend is a lot of people are actually chronically dehydrated and they don't realize that, you know, drinking a few glasses of water may actually really improve their digestion. It may improve the consistency of their stools, which can be really beneficial. So I typically start with food first, like you mentioned earlier. So looking at the plant-based intake and then looking at hydration and then going back to even movement. So if I'm not looking at necessarily supplements or medications, what can we do, especially if a client doesn't want that, what can we do to support the gut microbiome in a way that is more natural using food, hydration, and movement specifically? I am curious to hear what you have to say about it. Well, I mean, you have me thinking about the days when I was raising my babies, right? And babies, they are building their microbiome as they go. I was fortunate enough to be able to have both of my children vaginally so they got that good start. I also didn't have a situation like if I had had meconium and my amniotic sac or something like that, then they want you to go ahead and actually do an intravenous antibiotic at birth. And like, there's all sorts of things that doctors do automatically, even putting antibiotic ointment on the eyes of your child at birth to prevent some other issue from occurring. And so I had to be very explicit in saying, these are things that I don't want. And I was fortunate to not be in a situation where I felt like I was bombarded on all ends to force it, right? 
but I've heard stories from women that sometimes have been almost bullied into a specific treatment for their child. So, and right at birth, right? Like right at birth. So this is something I think we need to, as women talk about and ultimately share that we have choices to make. We can make these choices. We can be our own best agents. And in the case where you have not been able to have a vaginal birth too, your child may suffer from more constipation because they just don't have a lot of that same microbiome at that point in their system. So you can do more skin to skin and some things to help along. But even though all of this was true for me, like I didn't have the antibiotics, didn't have to have a cesarean section or anything like that. Both births were vaginal. I still had constipation issues in each of them when they were little. And the things that they tell you to do are like massage the belly and do the bicycle legs and give them some more water. And my nanny of the time would say, look, sure, you're not constipated, but you have coffee. You can't give them coffee. (laughs) Right. Yes. So movement is key. And then the products that I go to, I really look at my digestive system as something that also needs a reboot periodically. And so a couple of times a year, and this is just a practice I started years ago and it makes me feel great. So I've continued with it. I will go to the health food stores, refrigerated section and their supplement area and get a flat of BioK. And BioK comes in a few different formats. So like if you're vegan, vegetarian, you can get their soy or rice-based formulas. And it is like super concentrated fermented yogurt style thing, right? So it's like lactobacillus. It's all of those really great probiotics and that liquid form. And I just, the dosage is something like a quarter of one, a serving or something like that. But I just do one whole by okay yogurt as like a yogurt meal, right? Like a snack. Just do the whole thing once a day for the 15 days. And then the 15 days are done. I don't do it again until I think like I need a reboot, right? And what I've found is that I both feel great. I'm getting extra probiotics into my system. It's not something I'm doing every day forever, but I do it periodically. And I look at it as more like a digestive cleanse. It's just supporting my microbiome, right? And then if I ever run into a situation where I've like, I'm traveling and, you know, sometimes, especially when you do a lot of air travel, people will get constipated just from that, right? And so I will take with me Healthy Trinity. And Healthy Trinity is a product by Natrin. It's also in the refrigerator. I'm not compensated in any way for this recommendation. I've just found that it works really well for a lot of people in my life. So if you are running into a period where you're either constipated or you're finding you have a lot of loose stool and it's just not getting back to normal super quick, this has helped a lot of people in my life. It's helped me. So you get overstressed, you run into something, you might get like a little intestinal bug because we we live, we eat food, and sometimes it's not as clean as we want it to be. And before you know it, you have an issue. Well, you can actually manage that in some cases through a few key dietary support systems. And so that's for me, Natrid and BioK. Those are really the only two that I tend to routinely go to. I need to look up the second one that you mentioned when I'm traveling, because that sounds like it would be really beneficial because I feel like, especially when you're on a plane, I mean, the moisture is really sucked out of you. And so that's a big reason why you end up becoming constipated is because it's really easy to become dehydrated or to lose a lot of water when you're flying. And another thing that I found, sometimes I'll bring packets of magnesium with me when I'm flying to just take in the evening to kind of help keep things regular. And 
It's funny you mentioned the colon massage because when I was in college, again, suffering from chronic constipation, I had a friend who was in nursing school and she's like, let me just practice on you with this like colon massage. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not going to work. It's like on the belly, right? Yes, it worked. I was shocked. I had a really great bowel movement. I was like, well, I can't keep you around forever, but the more that you can do this, the better. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. There's also a pressure point in your arm and your forearm right around here that helps to move the bowel. And so if you like spend any time doing acupuncture or anything along those lines, you can even ask your practitioner, you know, I've heard that there's a point in the arm. Can you show me where that is? Because it's something that I think is personal for the individual. I can feel it when I hit. It's like between the juncture of two of the muscles in the forearm right here, just below the elbow a bit and on the forearm. And so that's another one that can get things moving meridian wise. Yeah, I feel like I need to ask my acupuncturist about that. So good to know. Now we can walk away from the poop talk, right? Okay. We can do that. <laughs> it's a rite of passage for all dietitians. Yeah. It's something we all have to talk about. So as it stands, I'm going to give you one little snippet though, onto the healthy Trinity product I mentioned from Natrin. It is a combination of lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, and lactobacillus bulgaricus. So it's got both bulgaricus and acidophilus from the lacto side, and then bifidobacterium bifidum. It's a just good, solid combination. And I think a lot of times that's just what people need to ensure they can return to health. Yeah. So as we talk about women's health in general, I mean, I know you've been in practice as a registered dietitian for some time now. What are the core things that you find more women are concerned with in the day to day? I would say a big one, and this is coming from more of like a healthcare perspective, is not feeling like they're being heard. Because women, I mean, we know our bodies best. No one else knows our body better than we do. And so when they are struggling with something and they're trying to relay that information to a healthcare provider or somebody else, that's one of the biggest frustrations that I hear from women is that they just don't feel like they're being heard. And more than anything, it is really important to find a healthcare provider that is going to listen to you. They don't have to eat the same way as you do. They don't have to live the same lifestyle as you, but it's really important to find someone who is truly going to listen to you and try to get at the root cause of what is going on. So I would say that's a big one. When we don't feel heard, then it's hard to feel empowered. And so I think when you find a healthcare practitioner that you really like, and then suddenly you have your insurance change. I had this happen. I had a health practitioner I really liked and she wasn't actually an MD at the office. She was the physician's assistant, right? But she was just so thorough and really great with me and my kids. And I felt like I was heard and it just was such a beautiful relationship. But then the medical practice itself shifted. And so then I had to find a new one. And I felt like every time I met with a new doctor, it's like I had to break them in. Mm, yes. That is such a struggle. Like these are the things I care about. And no, I don't just want to go to a pill if I run into a problem with my knee. I want to talk about what we can do differently. And thankfully, I'm in a healthcare area here in Santa Cruz County where there's a lot of mindful practitioners, but not everybody has access to that. So yeah. what do you give as advice to those individuals who might have a mismatch? Well, if they can't find somebody else specifically, is I really try to encourage them or empower them to stand up for themselves. And a lot of times they're being, I don't want to say a lot of times, but oftentimes they're being steamrolled. That's a big struggle. And so really trying to give them the tools on how they can clearly communicate to their healthcare provider what is going on with them, whether it's keeping a journal over time and saying like, 
no, 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 this is what's happening. Or let me show you and show them the notes of what's going on with them to be able to truly articulate what is going on. And then if that's happening over and over again, where they're not being heard or listened to, then let's try and find someone, even if it's online, because I feel like a lot of physicians and different healthcare providers are meeting online. There is a possibility to find someone who is going to listen. Well, it feels like there's a big movement towards that in the mental health arena with like things like better help, where people can meet with someone over a screen time and find the right match for them and be getting that kind of service in an ongoing way. But with medical doctors, well, they have to be certified to operate in that state. And so even if you do hear someone fantastic on this podcast, as a for example, and you're like, wow, I want to see Dr. Donnie, they may not be able to practice in your state, but they may know someone who can help you. And so it's always great to ask. And I will say too, there are functional medicine practitioners from coast to coast at this point, many in the alternative space. Um, You can seek out a naturopathic doctor. And as we talked about even a bit ago, an acupuncturist has an incredible depth of knowledge too. And they're also certified in traditional Chinese medicine. So they would have access to some herbs and some deeper knowledge that might support your journey as well. This is getting to the whole topic of healthcare versus sick care, right? And I know that some insurances will cover things like your mental health care and also things like acupuncture while others don't, or you're out of network and it gets a little pricey. So while some people may be able to set aside a couple hundred dollars to go and see somebody and get some advice that feels more at home for them, it's not always at your grasp. So what other resources might you point to them to just from your experience, whether it be a book or something they might read? Yeah. Oh, there are so many great free resources, whether it's at the library, whether it's online, if you have Netflix, there are great documentaries out there to kind of help empower your journey. I've found that especially if people are trying to maybe add more plants to their diet or eat more plant-based, that it is really helpful to find a community that's going to support you. Even listening to a podcast like this while you're driving or running around or cooking dinner for your family, that can be really helpful part of your journey, having those tools and resources to encourage you and empower you when maybe the people around you or the people that you're seeing in your healthcare system don't quite align with the way that you're living. So I definitely encourage looking up some podcasts, like listening to Karina's podcast, encourage checking out books at the library, maybe on a topic that can help empower you on your journey and checking out some fun documentaries on Netflix or Amazon, whatever that is to, again, encourage you. Well, I'm just bringing to mind another one. If you, let's say you're on the polar opposite and you have resources, but you don't have agency, like you don't have somebody sitting there advocating for you the way you want. And you've been in a sick care system for too long. You're on five medications and they're not helping you get better, right? Look to somebody like Dr. Joel Furman, who we have interviewed on this show as well, who runs, it's a live-in retooling of your entire life. (laughs) I mean, basically takes you to the right nutrition, the right resources, the right lifestyle changes, and then measures your progress along the way. And then ultimately gets you to the point where you're able to come off your medications and get back to your more root health system, back to equilibrium, back to balance, back to health. And he does that and his program down in San Diego So you'd have to physically relocate for a while. But if you have resources like that and you're very sick, I mean, I was tempted. I don't have the time (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's like, what do you have time or money? I mean, I have, uh, you know, I probably could afford something like that if I stretch to do it, but I don't have two to three months as a mom of two young boys to go do something like that. Thankfully, I also don't have health conditions that would push me to that point. But that being said, I could tell you a number of people in my life that could benefit from a service like that. Yeah. There's also, have you heard of True North, which is, it sounds very similar to what you're talking about where they, it's two plant-based doctors that run it and they take people in for a certain period of time and they conduct water fasting again, according to your needs. And then they reintroduce a whole food plant-based diet and the success stories that come out of there are mind blowing. And it's just incredible what they can do. And again, you're being monitored the entire time you're there and you do have to relocate, but it can just be, again, another incredible resource like Dr. Joel Furman's place in San Diego. And there's even Plant Pure Nation, which is run by Nelson Campbell, who is the son of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study. They do something called Plant Pure Pods, which could potentially be local to where you're living, depending on where you're living. You can just look up Plant Pure Nation and find if a pod is near you. And that's basically a group of people that are meeting in a town or city, and they're encouraging one another to live a healthier lifestyle or to live a more plant-based lifestyle. And they also occasionally do immersion programs where you go and live with them for seven to 10 days. And again, the success stories are just incredible of these women, these people coming off of medications that maybe they've been on for decades, people have been on insulin for over 10 years or statins or their blood pressure is out of control. It's just, there's just nothing like it. It just highlights how powerful food can be in transforming your health. I mean, here, here, that's what we're here to talk about, right? Nutrition without compromise. And the reality is that if we had the right tools, the right access then we wouldn't necessarily be in the declining health that we see as we age. One of the things that Dr. Foreman touched on, and I just looked at the pricing on his site, is definite sticker shock, like you're buying a car to do a two or three month program, right? Now, that being said, what do you have if you don't have health? And if you're constantly confronting these sorts of issues, it's something that you need to address in some way. And I think sometimes the hardest hurdle is getting over the habits of your everyday. And so you're eating on the go, you're taking care of kids, you're doing the soccer mom thing, or you're even just, you know, balancing the rigors of a high stress job and trying to juggle your home life. You could be a dual incomes, no kids, or just a single person and still battling the same things because so much is demanded of us in the day to day. And so we really need to make space for ourselves to develop newer and healthier habits. And, you know, looking to food as medicine, it's much easier to get to a place where you don't have out of control insulin, your blood sugar is more stable, and you are ultimately trending in a more healthy direction when you eliminate grains from your diet or dramatically reduce them. You eat whole food, plant-based, not too much. It's like if we kind of shift in that way, then a lot of the health challenges that we confront in the day-to-day -day work themselves out. Everything from dysmenorrhea to headaches to acne, a lot of the superficial stuff that we run into, eczema, rosacea flare-ups, because these things are signals that our inflammation is out of control, right? And so when you do shift to drinking adequate water, not over-consuming coffee, consuming more plants and a varied, rich 
phytonutrient diet, getting enough protein, yes, not getting too much carbohydrates and eliminating processed sugars. It's like, wow, you've just like reset everything in a matter of months, even if you're not paying to go to a retreat center where someone can manage that for you, then you're able to take charge, empower yourself, see some real changes. And while it might be hard in the short term, you can develop lifelong habits that will support your health journey for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is an incredible story in the documentary, What the Health, which is on Netflix, which follows multiple people. But there's a woman's story in there that I will just never forget how her life was, again, just transformed by eating more plants. And even if we look at the number one killer of men and women globally, which is heart disease, there has been one diet that has proven to reverse it over and over again. And that is a plant forward diet. And it's one of those things that I know that we're becoming more and more aware of the power of plants, but I'm just hoping that more people will kind of take heed in how powerful a plant-based diet can be. Yeah. So I think we hear this echoed by a lot of the experts we bring on, right? But some a little bit more likely to push to animal-based proteins because they see that they get more complete proteins into the people that they treat, or as the case is with Dr. Donnie Wilson, who we just interviewed, she was talking about specifically tryptophan and the fact that you get more of that, which can be a precursor to 5-HTP, which then affects your serotonin and melatonin levels, which affect how well you sleep and how relaxed you are, among other things, right? So she's like, well, you know, while you can do it, it's sometimes easier to also integrate animals. And so while you might be on one of the extremes, you could be a carnivore or you could be a vegan or you could be somewhere in the middle, looking to have as varied a diet as possible will support your journey. And if you're eating exclusively plants, then you need to be sure that you're getting a broad spectrum of those proteins. And often you might have to look to a protein shake or something like that periodically, or even on a daily basis to help round out the proteins that you are getting so that you can get healthy levels of these nutrients. And in some cases, it still might not be enough. So that's when you need to look at supplementation with something like a 5-HTP with vitamin B12, methylcobalamin, which thankfully at Orlo, they're able to extract from the spirulina that they're producing for the Immunity Boost product. So Immunity Boost actually contains inborn vitamin B12, methylcobalamin. And of course, I'm going to say this, they'll say this again and again. My husband calls me the omega-3 evangelist. You can't get too much omega-3s. It's like nearly impossible. And they really do help to balance out your system so that you can return to homeostasis, so that you can produce healthy cells, create natural energy, ATP energy, and ultimately live your healthiest life. So an omega-3 and the polar lipid form is highly bioactive and one's available from our sponsors or low nutrition readily on their website as well as on Amazon. Which is wonderful. I also take Orlo. So, <laughs> well, I usually take it when I'm on an interview like this. I'll say, Oh, that's my reminder. I'll take it now, but I've already done so today. And my immunity boost is right here, too. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so, that one I do have. Yeah. Perfect. And you do bring up a really great point, especially if someone is looking to just eat more plants in general or eat plant based, that plants do contain all 20 amino acids. They contain all nine essential amino acids. That doesn't mean though that every plant is a complete protein. 
So they contain different levels of those amino acids. So it is really important, exactly like Karina was saying, to make sure that you are getting a variety of plant-based foods into your diet, because that's going to help ensure that you're getting all the amino acids that you need. But that doesn't mean that you may need to supplement every once in a while. I think we're taught food first, food first, which is great, but supplements do play a role in your health as well. And they can be a really valuable piece of your journey too. Absolutely. So as far as protein shakes go, because I know that's where a lot of people go when they say, oh, I'm going to shift to being vegan. I know I'm not getting enough protein. I'm going to the gym and lifting iron and I need to make sure I get enough. What do you tend to lean them towards? So like protein shake wise? Yeah. Like, is is it, do you like pea? Do you like hemp? Do you suggest alternation? You know, what sorts of things are you looking to? So I personally don't take protein shakes, even though I do go to the gym and lift the iron, but I do tend to recommend more like quotes around clean sources of plant-based protein. And what I mean by that is typically if it can be single ingredient sources of protein, like you're saying, whether it's like a hemp powder or whether it's brown rice or I think there's even like a lentil one that's out there now. Karina, there's like a vegan whey protein supplement out there now, which is incredible. My partner takes it and he loves it. So that's typically what I recommend first is just kind of looking on the back of the ingredients and trying to choose a protein powder that's going to contain fewer ingredients. Now, there are great supplements out there, great protein powders out there that contain multiple, multiple ingredients. I just double check that you know, that's third-party tested and that all the ingredients align with like your goals, your health, and what you want to be putting into your body. I'm going to add to this. So I've taken protein shakes for a long, long time. I like them. It's a great way for me to start my day because I'm busy and I could just get some protein as my first meal of the day. I shifted from doing whey protein shakes a while ago and have been experimenting with plant-based versions. And what I will say about all of them, all protein shakes, all of them for me are too sweet. A lot of them use stevia sides or they'll use monk fruit or they'll use, in some cases, artificial sweeteners, which I just am full stop against. So some have even used xylitol, but they're just too sweet for my palate. And so when you work to sensitize yourself to sugar and don't eat a lot of processed sugar, which is great for your health and I recommend it for everybody, you tend to find that things that were perhaps not sweet enough anymore or just far too sweet. So I was cutting them with cranberries forever. I would take frozen cranberries and throw it into my shake to make it more tart and kind of cut the sweetness. And then I just decided, why can't I just get unflavored? And so now I'm getting unflavored, unsweetened protein powders that are plant-based and I'm experimenting with them. And what I'm finding is that just taking a half of a frozen banana, one of these standard unflavored, unsweetened protein shakes, throwing some walnuts in there, and even some matcha powder that I'm getting an incredible treat because it has some high glycemic sugars in there because it's got the banana. Okay. But I cut it with the walnuts, right? And then I'm also throwing in some matcha for its antioxidant powder. It's an incredible smoothie and it tastes divine. So it's like, if you're going to make yourself a treat that's full of natural phyto compounds that are supportive of your health, you know, consider getting into the kitchen and experimenting with something like that too. Yeah. I think that's key too, is experimenting and figure out what you're going to like best because there are some really off-putting protein powders out there. So if you want to try them, don't let one discourage you. Just keep on trying and see what you can find. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much for that. Now, as we prepare to go into this last stage of our interview here, I would love to ask you a simple question. What does nutrition without compromise mean to you? Ooh, that is a really great question. What I think it means actually is eating in a way that authentically aligns with you. 
So you're not eating because someone else is telling you how you should eat. You're not eating because that's the way your parents always ate or your caregivers ate. You're eating in a way that truly aligns with your health. You're choosing foods that honor your taste buds, but also honor your health and make you feel good. And I believe that that is, you're not compromised anything because you're honoring your taste and you're honoring your health at the same time. Yeah. And sometimes the way you grew up eating is really health degrading and it might be fine for somebody else, but not fine for you. One I can point to is a dear friend, Diane V. Capaldi, who goes by V. She is an Italian, right? Capaldi, hello. But and so loved pasta, but as it would turn out, has MS. And so if she has any gluten, it triggers her and she can't even eat a pickle as a, for example. So pickles are often made with vinegar that comes, I guess, from gluten. I didn't realize that, or it contains gluten in some way. And so, yeah, she can't even eat pickles. Wow. Yeah. That makes a big difference. <laughs> right. So, you know, that means that she can't eat any of the pastas or the breads or any of that with her family, but now she's worked to create similar, let's say recipes that are free of gluten that she can enjoy the same way. Yeah. Which I'm sure in a way is uncomfortable or challenging, but I'm also sure it's incredibly empowering that she's choosing foods that make her feel her best. That's exactly right. Well, and where she's able to get her symptoms of MS completely taken care of and can feel her, her best every day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I just want to thank you for coming on here today. I want to offer you the floor for a moment to talk about the services that you offer as a registered dietitian and also a snapshot into what people can expect if they jump over to your podcast, Plant-Centered Nutrition, to listen to you there. Yeah, so I'll start there. Our podcast is about uplifting people who have transitioned to a plant-based diet and have transformed their health in some way and just want to share their story. So if you're looking for more stories centered around plant-based eating and the health benefits or just life benefits in general that it can provide, that's a lot of what we talk about on our podcast and interviewing different guests. So what I do basically is I do work with people one-on-one -on -one to help them transition to a more plant-forward way of eating. Again, that aligns with them. I also work with people who have chronically dieted to help them turn more into an intuitive way of eating where they're really listening to their body and figuring out what works best for them. And they're not chronically dieting anymore, which is the goal. Then I also have a couple courses and I'm very active on social media, specifically Instagram. So if you just want some fun plant-based education, I would recommend going over there because I really enjoy creating reels specifically. They're entertaining too. And that's just at Plant Centered Nutrition on Instagram, right? Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Ashley. This has been my absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karina. I appreciate it. What a treat. We get to talk about all things plant-centered. Help clarify that plant-centered doesn't have to mean vegan. It doesn't have to be militant. It can be easy and you can adapt it just for you. Ultimately, that's too what I believe nutrition without compromise means. Now, I will be sure as always to include links to where you can learn more about Ashley Kitchens and her work with plant-centered nutrition. I'll also give a direct link to her podcast. And I know that I'll be a featured guest there to talk about omega-3s at some point too. I also encourage you to reach out and follow her on social channels. As we just talked about, she is at Plant Centered Nutrition on Instagram, where she's very active. You can visit orlonutrition.com for our complete blog, including features that you won't find anywhere else. If you have questions about today's episode or topics that you'd like to see covered, please reach out to us via social channels or send us an email directly from the site. You can also contact me directly at hello 
at orlonutrition.com. As we close today's show, I hope that you'll raise a cup of your favorite beverage with me as I raise mine and cheers to all women managing their health and their health care first. Here's to your health. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either or. 